This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Christian Perspective on the News. We head south to connect with Dr. Peter Hammond, the founder of Frontline Fellowship, the Reformation Society, Africa Christian Action, and the William Carey Bible Institute. A very warm welcome to you, Dr. Hammond. Thank you very much. On a cold morning, uh, thank you, Brad. Yes, yes there's, there's a number of things to respond to in the news today and, and also in upcoming events. Mm. Um, I see that the former president of Zambia, Kenneth Govinda, passed away, and uh, I immediately am seeing a whole lot of eulogies about what a wonderful, tremendous, great, and so on person he was. But uh, as somebody who was a prisoner of Kenneth Govinda as a presidential detainee in Zambia, uh, I need to inject some sense of reality to the whole matter because uh, it's extraordinary how when politicians die, you hear what wonderful people often are. Uh, but on the ground, um, when I was locked up on a mission to Zambia back in 1987, uh, I ended up in Lusaka Central Prison. And um, in my cell, which was the presidential detainee cell, which means we were being detained without trial, there were people like military leaders who had been detained for saying sanctions would hurt Zambia more than South Africa. And uh, there was a Muslim trader uh, up from Mali, uh, literally from Timbuktu, who had been detained simply because uh, they wanted to steal everything from him. There was a South African truck driver, Isaiah Moyer, who was being tortured. He had been a South African truck driver, and he had been um, uh, detained for no other reason than he had lent money to some South African cadres from the political party up there, mm. uh, who, instead of paying him back, just said he's South African spy. So this poor man, 28-year-old Isaiah Moyer, was being tortured by the uh, special branch police of the Zambians at the time under KK, Kenneth Glinda, and he had red-hot poker sores all over his body um, from them putting pokers from the fire into his body. Wow. There were people there who, like an Indian Hindu a businessman whose minds had been confiscated, and he had been there for years and uh, just without trial, charged, and so on. And uh, in the cell, now, of course, we didn't have any um, kind of furniture or anything like that in, in the South Central. Uh, the British had built the prison for 80 people, and when Kenneth Gunder was detained for nine months in the South Central, he had had bed with sheets, with linen, and with cooked meals, and sofa, and gramophone, and books, and access to the library, and a few cooked meals a day, and all the rest of it. Uh, when we were there, uh, there, were, uh, there was no plumbing, there was no electricity, and there were 1,200 people crammed in the prison that the British had bought for 80, but minus the electricity and plumbing now, and minus access to the library, don't know what have happened to that. Mm. We didn't even have shoes. There were 60 to 65 of us crammed in the cell, when Kenneth Kondo was detained by the colonial authorities, he had a room to himself. Um, we had 65 people crammed in a room 25 feet by 15 feet uh, with no windows and corrugated iron roof, a stifling heat. Uh, one can imagine how bad those people died in the cells and were carried out uh, in the morning, literally while we were there. Uh, I was ministering in this prison. I heard the stories of many of the people, most of whom were remand, meaning they hadn't come to trial yet. So there you were in the South Central Prison from about 1987. 
And there were some people who'd been eight years and they hadn't had their day in court yet. And you could tell because uh, they were the ones still wearing the tatters of the civilian clothes. Prisoners who had been convicted had uniforms uh, issued by the prison service and uh, remand was still in their civilian clothes. And most were still remand prisoners. And, uh, you know, extraordinary, um, the kind of lack of justice. And a different perspective on a country mm. uh, from uh, what people who write in these news articles on a dictator. Ken Kunda created Zambia a one-party dictatorship in 1973 and brutally crushed opposition. And in the prison cell, the things I heard from people, now, of course, many of my friends uh, from that time ended up becoming the next government of Zambia. For example, there was... Uh, General Godfrey Nyanda. And General Godfrey Nyanda, uh, I met because he had also been locked up in the Sarka Central Prison. He later became Minister of Foreign Affairs, Minister of Home Affairs, and uh, he also became Vice President at one stage and was uh, quite a mentor to Frederick Chaluba, who became the first president democratically elected after Kohunda was overthrown in 1991. And um, so I met the next government. Not that I personally met Frederick Chiru, but he, he was in the same prison that I was at the same time, but, but we didn't uh, coincide or meet because he wasn't a presidential detainee. But uh, I had the chance to preach to 1,200 prisoners a day in the courtyard, in a prison designed for only 80 people. It doesn't reflect well on a government when they treat the people in, in that way. So uh, that's disconcerting and... Uh, one should spare a thought for the poor people who suffered under the brutal policies of a dictator instead of just eulogizing the dictators um, when they die. And it should also remind us of the fact that all men are like grass. We're here for a season. It's a point when man wants to die and ask that to face judgment. And uh, we should all be concerned with what will God say to us on that day? Well done, good and faithful servant, or depart from me, curse the lake of fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. It's there's one appointment not one of us will miss. It's an appointment not one of us will be late for. Yeah. It's in, in Hebrews 9, verse 27, it is appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. And so that should really evaluate, we should evaluate our lives in the light of eternity and what does God think of us. It's not so important what other people think of us. The most important thing is what does the Creator, the eternal judge, think of us and what's his vote, which is the only vote that's going to count on the last day of the day of judgment, when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And that includes even the enemies of Christ today. And they need to remember the fact is not, will you bow to Christ? The question is, when will you bow to Christ? Will you bow to Christ today in the day of grace, when the door to heaven is wide open, whoever will may come? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Mm. Uh, Jesus is opening the door. He's saying, whoever is weary and heavy laden, come unto me and find rest. And so today is the day of grace, but we either bow to Christ in the day of grace today, or we will have to bow to him on the day of judgment. Mm. And so the question is not, will we bow to Christ, but when will we bow to Christ? Is Jesus Christ your Savior and Lord, or is he your eternal judge? And that's an important perspective for anyone to think of when thinking of the whole issue of eternity and thinking of what really matters in the light of eternity. Uh, also in the news, I, I know that there's all kinds of attempts to rewrite the marriage act. We should pay attention to what Freedom of Religion SA is saying, and Nadine Bardenos has put up excellent material on that, that we can understand 
the attempts to rewrite the Marriage Act and to force ministers of the gospel to do uh, what they are convinced is against the law of God and against their conscience, which is uh, to perform marriages which we see as biblically incompatible because marriage can only be between a man and a woman uh, for life. It's uh, Marriage is an ordinance from God. The Creator is the one who defines it. And yet there are those uh, in government who are trying to pass a bill that would force every marriage officer uh, to do whatever the government tells them to do, even if it is considered an invalid marriage or an unbiblical marriage or not a marriage at all, because they say, well, if you've got a marriage license, then you are working for the state. <laughs> the state does nothing but take money away from you rather than support you. Uh, so uh, that is something to be alert to, and churches are encouraged to write in and uh, to make clear that they oppose this marriage bill in its present form because of the uh, infringement on the freedom of religion, freedom of conscience, and threat to what is biblically defined as marriage. You must remember the Equity Act, the so-called mm. Appeal which is also a threat to religious freedom and freedom of conscience. We should be supporting Freedom of Religion SA and look at their website, Dear SA, and uh, see what we can do to speak up. Because the price of freedom is eternal vigilance. Let's be sure that we alert to what's going on, that we understand the time, and that we know what God's people should do. Thank you so much, Dr. Hammond. Before we go, um, a listener sent a question and said, how long were you detained in prison? When were you released? Uh, that was uh, back in October 1987. I was locked up for 16 days and uh, during that time went through six excruciating interrogations. It was quite a brutal re- uh, regime at that time, but mm. praise God that he opened his prison doors and set the captives free. There were uh, a lot of people campaigning, demonstrating, including in Washington and in London, uh, who knew my work, and uh, uh, there were thousands of protest letters and faxes received at that time by the Zambian embassies, which led them to release us. But uh, oh. the key thing was, was Margaret Thatcher, Prime Minister of Great Britain, intervened. Uh, I also have a British passport, as well as South African, because my father fought all six years in the Second World War. So uh, Margaret Thatcher was given our case, and she raised our case directly to Kenneth Gurnder in, uh, Can- uh, in Canberra. They were having the uh, Commonwealth Conference at that time, mm. and Margaret Thatcher brought up our facts and challenged Kenneth wow. Gunder about these missionaries who had been detained without trial and tortured in his uh, prison, in Lusaka Central Prison, and Gunder was, was humiliated by it, and he ordered when he got back. First thing he said was, get those missionaries out of here. <laughs> and uh, interestingly, that we later were being invited back as VIPs to Zambia by wow. the next government, who we had met while in prison, including General Godfrey and uh, that's actually where the biblical principles of the book I've written uh, for was um, when I gave him a whole lot of uh, biblical books and different issues of economics and so on. He said, don't you have a small book that summarizes all of these? And that began a whole series of uh, ministry trips from God and government seminars throughout Zambia and uh, uh, the publication of biblical mm. principles of Africa. So Fantastic. we praise God. We were unavoidably detained, but in fact, it led to better ministry opportunities than we could have had if we continued with our planned mission at that time in 1987. So it really shows God works all things together for good. Fantastic. For those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Ah, thanks so much for sharing this morning. Appreciate that. Thanks for the testimony and the story and for the inspiration this morning and your Christian perspective on the news. I'm Dr. Peter Hammond, the founder of Frontline Fellowship, the Reformation Society, Africa Christian Action, and the William Carey Bible Institute. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Dr. Hammond. Thank you. God bless you. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.